Come on and bless him this morning. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Hallelujah. God has been good to us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are truly grateful. You may be seated. We are truly grateful to the Lord for the opportunity to come and share the word of God with New Directions Bible Fellowship. It is truly a privilege and an honor. I am so grateful for the gracious invitation by Pastor Benson to come and share. I am grateful for the hospitality that has been shown to me since I arrived here. And I just thank God for it. I just thank God for it. So come on, let's give the New Directions folks a hand clap of praise. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oftentimes, oftentimes, we celebrate the preacher or the speaker of the hour, but there's folks behind the scenes that make things run, amen, that make th sure things go well. The Bible says that there are many parts in the body, amen. There are many parts in the body, and we seem to always exalt that part we can see, but try to live without your pinky toe, amen. Try to live without that pinky toe, amen. You will experience some difficulty, amen. So I'm extremely grateful for the invitation to come and share the word of God. We believe that you will be blessed today, amen. We believe that God will bless you and transform your lives, amen, and draw you closer to him, and draw you closer to him, amen. So once again, I want to celebrate your pastor in his absence, amen, for keeping the work moving forward, amen. He is the senior pastor and the organizing pastor, but he needs people to work alongside of him to keep it moving. So we are truly grateful and thankful for that. Uh, our text for today is coming out of the book of Mark. It's coming out of the book of Mark, and it's a familiar passage um, I'm quite sure that you get excellent Bible teaching here, so I don't have to preach for an hour and a half. Amen. I don't have to go hard and long. Amen. I'm quite sure I've watched your pastors and I've watched your assistant pastors and those that come here uh, share the word of God and you get great Bible teaching. Amen. So don't expect to hear anything new, but expect to be challenged. Amen. Don't expect to hear anything new. No deep revelations. Amen. I didn't see any angels when I was praying about coming here, and I didn't find any feathers at the foot of my bed. Amen. So don't expect that. Just listen carefully to the word. Amen. Amen. It says in verse 35 of Mark chapter 4, it says, In the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there was also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest not that we perish. And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Of course, he uses the Elizabethan English here. I'm speaking in our terms. And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and for your mercy. Father, we are overwhelmed by your faithfulness, how in the midst of all that's going on in the world, you are still keeping us, Father. You're still providing for us, Father. You're still giving us a vision that goes beyond what we're currently experiencing, Father. We join with David, Father, when he cried out that he would have fainted if he had not believed that he would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. So, Father, we believe that your goodness is going to break forth. We believe, Father, that these situations will be turned around and ultimately Christ will shine brighter than he did prior to the pandemic, oh God. So we thank you for this church. We pray, God, that you would pour out your spirit here like never before, that you would strengthen the man of God, that you would encourage the people of God as they work alongside of the man of God so that they may accomplish your will for, for a new direction, Father, 
in the name of Jesus. We pray that your spirit, Father, would flow freely in this house and that they would see signs and miracles, that healings would break forth, Father, that prosperity would break forth, oh God, that, Father, your people might be encouraged to draw closer to you. I pray, oh God, that you would hear and see our dependence upon you. Jesus said that without you, we can do nothing. So, Father, we need you like never before. Speak to us today. Open the eyes of our understanding and give us wisdom. And then give us a will to obey. Give us the fortitude to fight through everything that the enemy throws our way to try to hinder us from seeing you in the fullness of who you are. We thank you right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Very familiar text. Very familiar text uh, uh, that Mark writes here. And Mark, of course, we learn, is writing for Peter. Amen. He's writing for Peter. We know that there was a connection between Mark and Peter because when Peter was delivered from prison miraculously by the angel and let out, he went to Mark's house. He went to Mark's house. So we know that there was a connection. And Mark was the first gospel writer out of the gate. He was the first one. Amen. Matthew and Luke kind of built off of Mark. And if I had to classify all three of those Gospels, I would say Matthew would be like the Ebony magazine. Amen. Many of you read the Ebony magazine back when magazines was a big thing and they used to come out. Now you can read it online. It's not the same. Amen. Luke would kind of be like Essence. Amen. Luke gives more details. Luke gives way more details than any other writer because he's like an investigative reporter. If 10 people's in the room, Luke won't tell you everybody's name. Amen. You just want to get to the end and say, all right, what was the result? But Luke, Luke talks about everybody. Mark, Mark would be like Jet. Amen. You know that Jet magazine was just tiny. Amen. It wasn't a whole lot. It contained the same stories that Ebony and Essence contained, but it was compact. It was, it was small. It just got right to the point. So Mark's gospel is really about getting right to the point. And it was written to the regular Roman road traveler. Amen. It was not written to Jewish believers. We know this because it's absence of tradition. Is absence of all of the things that Matthew shares to enrich the Jewish people. Mark just wants to get straight to the point. As a matter of fact, his, his writing 42 times includes the word straightway or immediately. Because he was out to show us that God, that Jesus' ministry got results. He wasn't out to show all of the details and all of those things. He just wanted to show that this man named Jesus came and he moved in action and he got results. And the Roman traveler was used to action and power. So he showed that he had action and that he had power. Amen. So after doing a lot of significant ministry, the Bible says that Jesus commands in verse 35, let us pass over to the other side. In our vernacular, in our vocabulary, in our way of looking at things, he's simply saying it's time to move. Amen. It's time to move. I love this because it depicts a journey. Amen. It depicts that we have to move from one place to another place. Now, if you know anything about God, God is always moving. He is not a stationary God. Amen. He doesn't like to stay stationary. As a matter of fact, if you check the biblical record, you will find that God never wanted a physical temple. He never asked for it. God simply was happy living in a tent. Amen. Because the tent meant that God went with you everywhere you go. But the temple meant that you must come to God. And God says, listen, I don't want you to just come to me periodically. I want to be with you wherever you go. I want you to know that I'm with you on the journey wherever you go. So God, God is always moving. Amen. He's always moving. He's not stationary. And so the people of God must seek the res or resist Becoming comfortable where they are. Amen. Must resist becoming comfortable with where we are. Because when we become comfortable where we are, it just speaks of our ability to have control. 
And you can't serve God and be in control. There's only one that can be in control. No man can serve two masters. Amen. Amen. Only one person can be in control. And so when we become comfortable, when we start getting ourselves together, God seeks to disrupt our comfort so that we have to move. Because if we don't move, we won't see him in the fullness that he is. He's an adventurous God. He's not a God that just stays in one place. As a matter of fact, if you know anything about God, God does not speak to your subconscious. God speaks to your conscience to reformat your subconscious. He speaks to your imagination that says you can go beyond where you're at. But your subconscious says, I know where I am and I would like to stay there. But God says, no, there's something greater than where you are now. So most of us seek to be comfortable. Amen. We just want to chill. Amen. We just, we just want to chill. We just want big house, 2.5 children. A dog and a half. Amen. 3,000 square feet. Brothers, you just want a man cave. Amen. You just want somewhere you can go down there and you can find a remote. That's all you want. Amen. Sis, you just want that walk-in closet that houses all of your shoes. Amen. You just want to have them all housed in this one space so you can get to it, so that you can remain comfortable. Most of us want to be millionaires, not because we want to give, because we just want to spend and know that we got a lot left over. Let's be real, all right? Let's be real. Most of us want to just, just have a whole lot of money because we want to buy whatever we want and know there's no consequence to what we bought. Amen. But that violates the principle of God. Because the principle of God is that no matter what you get or how you get it, you'll always be a manager. You'll always be a manager. God requires that we manage what he gives to us, not that we squander it in the world. Matter of fact, listen, you're a manager of your body because God lives in there. God lives in your body. You're a manager of your body. So you know what you put in to your body. Do you manage it well enough to stay healthy? Because God gives you health and says, manage your health. Amen. He doesn't give you health and say, all right, eat whatever you want to eat. Do whatever you want to do. No, he says, listen, these are the things that you can put in your body that will keep it healthy. Matter of fact, he put Adam in the garden and just simply told Adam to manage it. That's all he did. He said, listen, you, 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 you in the garden, just manage all, that, the, all the good things that I have given you. You're simply a manager of your money. Amen. Amen. You can't say, God, I want more. He's going to say, how are you managing what I'm giving you? Amen. You're a manager of your inter interpersonal relationships. How are you dealing with people in your interpersonal relationships? You're a manager of your spiritual growth. Are you growing or are you just getting fat? There's a difference. There's a difference. Amen. So, God seeks to bring us out of comfortable places, but we love them. I love comfortable places. Amen. Amen. For so many years, so many years, my family went to Ocean City, Maryland for vacation. Amen. Had it down to a T. Knew exactly how much it was going to cost to get there. Knew how what the road was going to be like. Had did it for so many years consecutively that I had it down. And I was comfortable because everything I knew about it, everything I knew was, was at my access. I was able to have all of the information from my experience. But somewhere down the line, the woman that the Lord gave me, ain't that what Adam said? Adam said it was the woman that the Lord gave me. One day came in and said, I'm tired of Ocean City. And I said, why? <laughs> why? We going to Disney World. I said, the devil is a liar. That was my first response. My second response was, who paying for it? My third response is, how are we getting there? She said, we going to Disney World, and guess what? I said, what? She said, I put down a deposit. You what? You violated scripture, woman. The Bible says if a woman vow a vow and a man don't hear it, 
that he can disannul a vow. He just didn't say that you would get your money back after you disannulled the vow. It wrecked me because now the pressure was on me to step into a place and go onto a journey that I did not have any experience for. I didn't know anything about it. But she was simply saying it's time to move. It's time to change the way that we're looking at things, the way that we're doing things, because God has more than Ocean City, Maryland. And so we went about going this journey to go to Disney World. And on the way there, I felt so uncomfortable because it was getting there. Then it was uh, 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 making sure that everything was paid for. It was making sure we had the money to pay for it. It was all of these things that on the journey, it made me uncomfortable. But all she was simply saying was, let's go to the other side. Let's move. Let's not stay here. But we stay in the same place and expect God to do something different. God says, I've done all that I'm going to do for you where you currently are as a congregation and as individuals. It's time to step out and do something different. Amen. God says, listen, I've been blessing that same dollar amount that you've been giving me for years. I'm done blessing that. I need to challenge you to step your giving up so that you can see that I have more than what I've been giving to you. But we get stuck. We get stuck right where we're at and think we're doing something great. Amen. There's a there's a man that writes a book, Dr. Straw. He writes a book about, about what is the, uh, the key to successful people. And, and so he goes on this journey to try to find out what's the key to success in life. He tries to find the common denominator of all these successful people in this journey. And then he, he classifies people in three different uh, groups. He says the first group is quitters. Amen. Quitters look at the journey and say, I ain't going. They don't even start out. They get intimidated by the fact that they have to go out of their comfort zone even on the journey. He classifies it as mountain climbing. He says when they look up at the mountain, they see how high it is and they quit before they even get there. Then the second group of people, he calls them dwellers. He says, dwellers, they get to a certain degree on the mountain and then start, excel, uh, start celebrating that they've made it just that far. And they stop there. Then he says, there's climbers. And climbers say, I don't believe he brought me this far for nothing. I don't believe he brought me this far to keep me right where I am. So I've got to keep climbing up the mountain even though it's uncomfortable for me. And I'm here to tell you, in most instances, we become dwellers. We stay satisfied with coming to church Sunday after Sunday. That's it. As long as pastor preaches a good word, I'm good. Amen. But I'm not going to do nothing different because I've been blessed already. I've, I've already experienced the goodness of God. There can't be nothing else. I get excited when I hear about older people going back to school to get accelerated degrees because they're simply saying that my mind still works enough for me to go out and do something different so that I can experience something different. I'm not letting the age or, or my body keep me from growing or keep me from learning. There's got to be more. But we seek to stay where we are. And this is not uncommon for us. This is not uncommon from the Bible. The children of Israel, amen, made it to Egypt. Made it to Egypt. And they failed to realize that that was not the final destination. It was not the final destination. Over in the book of Acts, chapter 7, we find a little synopsis of this story. It says... In Acts chapter 7, verse 17, it says, But when the time of the promise drew nigh, which God has sworn to Abraham, that the people grew and multiplied in Egypt. As the time of the promise drew nigh, that he had sworn to Abraham. And it says, Till another king arose, which knew not Joseph. And the same dealt subtly with our kindred and evil and treated our fathers so that they cast out their young children and that they might, that they might, to the end that they might not live. Notice, notice, listen to me, beloved. 
Notice that when it became time to move, God didn't send blessing, but he sent trouble. He did not send a, a, a blessing their way to get them to move because if they, if they had their way, they would have stayed right where they were. As a matter of fact, he rose up a new Pharaoh to know not Joseph so that they would move. And so now I need you to bring your mind into the world. I need you to start looking at what's happening around the world. Look at how we look at our political leaders and all of these people that God allows to get in position. That God allows to take places of authority in the world. Why did he rise them up? Why did he put them in position? He says, uh, Luke says that he uh, rose up Pharaoh to start up trouble. Amen. Why? Because the children of Israel became comfortable in Egypt. As a matter of fact, when you read the biblical story, you will find that on their journey to the promised land, they asked to go back because they were uncomfortable. Because when you become uncomfortable, you don't have all the same resources that you had. God begins to strip away your resources. Why? Because your resources tend to dummy down the work of God in your life. Amen. It tends to dummy it down. So God begins to strip away your resource. When you find that you don't have the resource to handle the problem that's going on in your life, it's God saying, I got this one. I'm not letting you handle this. I'm going to take care of this because you need a new revelation of me. You need a new touch from me. You need a new insight from me to move you forward. He says, God stirred up trouble on the journey and they wanted to go back. They said, we remember the leeks in the garden, in the melons that we ate. And here's what they were saying. They were really saying, God, we didn't ask you to move us. We asked you to change the Pharaoh. We didn't ask you to move us. We asked you to change the boss. I ain't asked you to, to get me fired. Just change the boss. Jesus says, let us go to the other side. Let us go. This speaks of a corporate move and not an individual move, beloved. And one of the things that's missing from the church worldwide is connectivity. No connections. Church fighting against church. People lifting their doctrines over other people's doctrines. People arguing about things that have nothing to do with the mission and the call of God. So what did you baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost? And we just baptize in the name of Jesus. Who cares? Nobody. But if you check social media, people fighting all over this stuff. And it makes no sense. We look like a laughing stock to the world. Because our only mission was to lift up Jesus. Our only mission was to show that he loves people and that we demonstrate that love by how we serve him and connect with others. Let us go to the other side. What's missing? Too much competition in the body. Amen. Amen. Too much infighting in churches. Amen. Because we don't realize that we're all connected. We don't realize that we're all supposed to be together. There are 36 divine commandments for one anothering in the Bible. 36. 14 of them are love one another. 14 of them are love one another. They tell us how we're supposed to interact. Why? Because God says, when I'm ready to move, when I'm pushing you to the other side, when I'm moving you forward, I need you to be on one accord. Why? Because God finds unity and he commands a blessing where there is unity. Where there is division, he's got a referee. Oh God, all right. I'm coming closer now. Y'all at home, zoom me in, all right? Because here I come, here I come, here I kitty come, come, all right? When you don't want another, you wear the pastor out. When you don't love one another, when you don't encourage one another, you wear him out. 
Amen. When you fighting at home and you call him, you wear him out. Listen, half of the stuff that we require from our men and women of God is not biblical. It's cultural. It's not biblical. Amen. There is nowhere in the Bible that says all of the things that we require from the men and the women of God that occupy the role of pastor or whatever high level they occupy, that they're supposed to do all this stuff for the people. Why? Because real ministry takes place in one anothering. Their job is to teach us how to one another. You know, Paul said that we're supposed to come to the unity of the faith. They're supposed to teach us how to do the work of the ministry. What's the work of the ministry? Loving one another. But in so much instances, we want the pastor to do everything. We got to call him for everything. Amen. Pastor, the door won't open. Why? What you want me to do? I'm home. Why? Because we don't want another. And part of the reason why we don't want another is because we don't trust one another. But you trust your pastor. Oh, you don't trust nobody else. And so you put the weight of the ministry on him. You put the weight on the ministry on him. And so now he's got to try to uh, meet everybody's need. I'm going to ask you today, New Direction, set your man of God free. Amen. Set him free that he may stay in God's presence. Amen and bring you the richness of who God is. Amen. Stay in his presence. Let us go to the other side. It's time to move. In verse 37 in chapter Mark, it says, And there arose a great storm, and the waves beat unto the sea, beat unto the ship. So now that it was full, and he was on the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said unto him, Master, don't you care? Care not that we perish. Mark tells us that the storm or the wind, the storm of wind came out of nowhere. Amen. Amen. It was not on the forecast. Or at least the disciples did not know anything about it. And as believers, we have to come to grips with this reality that storms are inevitable. Storms are supposed to come. It's not the storm coming that's the problem. It's how we handle the storms. If we are prepared for the storm, it's supposed to snow. Amen. It's supposed to snow. Now, I bet you a dollar to a donut hole, and I'm not a betting man, so I don't want the mothers to cast out that betting demon because I don't have one. Amen. I don't have one. Amen. And people know I'm very tight with mine. Amen. Very tight with mine. Amen. But I would bet you, amen, that tonight or right now, people are hitting Home Depot because they said it's going to snow. The markets are being ravaged right now. I don't care if they only said it's going to be two inches. Folks is in there getting uh, ice melt, getting uh, all the food, amen. And you that are in church, because you're doing it on live stream, you might be driving and watching and listening at the same time while you're on your way there, amen. Why? Because people want to get ready for what they think is coming. But they're waiting until it comes to get ready. You and I are supposed to be ready before it even comes. God, I need to... Need your help, all right? Now listen, listen, I'm going to get you, I'm going, I'm going to get you done. I'm going to get done. Learn this about your father, okay? Your father does nothing in your life that he hasn't already done in his. I know it sounds oxymoronic. I know it does, because here's what I'm saying. As an eternal being, God has already been where he's taking you. He's already been there. That's how he knows you're going to arrive there. See, we know him as the alpha and the omega, but he moves as the omega before he starts you off with the alpha. It has already been completed. That's why the Bible says that Jesus was crucified before the foundations of the world. He was already made a way for us before we even knew it. 
God has already gone before you in every storm that you will face. He's already made the pathway for you to come to the storm. The problem is most of us can't see beyond the storm. Oh, God. Storms are inevitable. You and I just need to be prepared for them. Amen. We just need to be prepared for them. As a matter of fact, Jesus, Jesus taught this, this principle that storms will always come. He said the winds are going to blow, the rains are going to come, but the person who has their foundation on the word of God shall stand. And those that don't will be blown away. Storms are going to come. Oh, God. As a matter of fact, we're in a storm right now. We're in a COVID-19 storm. But this is nothing new. Amen. This is nothing new. Back 100 years ago, they had the Spanish flu storm that took the world by surprise. And guess what? God's church came through that storm. And it's still here to this day. So new directions, you will come through this storm. And if you're from another church and you're watching this broadcast, you will come through this storm. Amen. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Just keep your focus on him. Storms come for several reasons. Number one, God will allow a storm to wake you up. Amen. Amen. To wake you up to his purposes, to his plans for your life and for your church. Storms will come to wake you up. Amen. It was the storm of persecution that woke the children of Israel up. They started getting persecuted and they cried out to God. Amen. Storms come to wake you up. They come to get you moving. Why? Because we stay sedentary. We don't move. Amen. The World Health Organization said over 2 million deaths a year are, are, are created by people not getting any exercise, no physical work. By people just staying sedentary, sitting in front of the television, eating snacks. Two million people die because of this. Because they're inactivity on a daily basis. Doctors say that you should get at least 10,000 steps a day walking. 10,000 steps. Which is equivalent to about five miles. Amen. You should get that a day. But we won't go outside and just walk because we see no value. We don't see any value in it. It's been medically proven that sedentary lifestyles bring on diabetes. Sedentary lifestyles bring on high blood pressure and osteoporosis, depression and anxiety. Storms come to get you and me to get moving. Amen. It comes to get us awakened to what God really wants. Listen, if you're experiencing marital problems right now, it's just a storm to wake you up. And watch, in order to overcome the problem, you got to do something different. you got to step outside your comfort zone. Amen. I'm not staying the way that I was. Listen, she is not the same woman I married 24 years ago. So why would I be the same man? Amen. We have come through so many storms together now, we got to do some different stuff. And all the stuff that we do different ain't going to be stuff that the church lifts up. We're going line dancing. Why are you going to dance? Because we raised teenagers. Praise God. We got them out. So we're going to line dance. Amen. We're going we to we learn how to ballroom dance. We're going to do all these things. We're going to travel. Amen. Because we're going to do something different. What, what are we going to do? We're going to begin to enjoy each other in a different way. How are you still trying to enjoy God the same way you did years ago when there's so much more to him? It's time to go. It's time to move. Storms can come to let us know that we're headed in the right direction or in the wrong direction. There's storms for obedience and then there's storms for disobedience. Amen. Now let's bring it home. COVID is here to wake us up. Amen. It's here to wake up the church to our purpose and plan. Why? Because we haven't moved. We've stayed the same way we've been, and we've been celebrating the way that we are. 
And God says, enough of this. Jesus is coming back someday, and I need my people to begin to see me again and put me at the forefront, not all this other stuff that they've got going on in their lives. I need them to see me as the great I am. I need to become their affection once again. And what has the church's response been? Many have predicted. Amen. Many have predicted. Many pundits have predicted that folks will not come back to church after COVID. Why? Because they got comfortable being home. Amen. Well, I believe the devil is a liar. I believe the church is going to come back better. Amen. Than what it did. Amen. I believe that the people of God are going to flow back in. And not only the people of God, I believe that there's some unbelievers that's going to sit back and say, you know what? I need to get Jesus in my life and I'm going in there too. Listen, New Direction, you should prepare for new people to be coming into your church. They're not going to look like you. They're not going to smell like you. They're not going to talk like you. They're not going to dress like you. But they have been hit by the pandemic. And when they see that you came marching in and that you came through on the other side and you're looking well, they're going to want to know about the God that brought you through. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God is waking us up, beloved, because it's time for us to move. Mark says in verse 38, he was on the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they woke him up and said, do you not care? My God. Now, I need some real safe folks. I need some real safe folks. I, 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 I love you, cloud nine Christians. I'm with you. Amen. I love you. I love you. I love you to hear from God all day long. God told you what to wear this morning. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. But I need the real folks for this verse right here. I need the real folks who have found themselves in a storm and asked this very same question. Lord, don't you care? Come on. Lord, where are you? Why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this? This is a natural human response to uncontrollable situations in our lives. Lord, don't you care? Amen. Don't you care that people I love is sick and I'm praying for them? Don't you care that folks that we love dearly are dying in our presence, Father? Lord, stop all of this from happening. Don't you care? Jesus gets up and simply rebukes the wind and tells the sea to chill out. Amen. He tells the wind, you're the source of the problem, so I rebuke you. But then he tells the wind, then he tells the sea, you chill out. Isn't it amazing that the Bible talks about these winds all throughout Scripture? Winds that blow you off your square, winds that come into your life, winds of doctrine, winds of change, winds of situation. All of these things come to blow you and me off our square. And he says in verse 40, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Now listen carefully. He's saying, why are you so fearful to ask this question? How the storm of the world get inside of you? How the storm get inside of you? Because when the storm gets inside of you, you become fearful. You started out with a vision of going to the other side, but then the storm came and it canceled that vision and you stopped your forward sensation and said, do you care about me? How did you get to a place of double-mindedness? This is the real question that Jesus is posing. Who told you? You you, you, you study all the questions in the Bible. One of the most... uh, illustrative or one of the most biggest questions in the Bible is when God says to Adam, who told you you were naked? Who opened that door up 
to get that information in your mind that you stopped seeing my goodness and ate of the tree. Who told you? How'd the storm get inside of you? How'd the storm get inside my people that they started becoming fearful, that they lost sight of who I am in the midst of the pandemic, that they begin to draw back because they no longer saw me as God, but the pandemic as God. And that doesn't mean we don't take the necessary precautions, beloved. I'm not saying that by the stretch of any imagination. No, we do what we're supposed to do. We wear our mask. We stay socially distanced. We follow all of the procedures. As a matter of fact, if you check back to the historical record of the Spanish flu, they were told the same things. Stay away from each other. They did not have the modern conveniences that we have, such as live stream and, and Facebook and YouTube and all of those things. They put their sermons in newspapers because the church couldn't gather. They had them printed in magazines because they still had to find a way to get the word out. And here we are in 2022 getting it out over the line, over the waves, and you get to watch it up closely. Why are you... So fearful. He asked, how is it that you have your no faith? What happened to your belief? Who altered your mind? Amen. When I, when I started at the middle, well, at the beginning of last year, when we first started going back to church, amen, and having live in-person services, I went to get dressed to go to church, to throw a suit on, you know, to be representable of the office that I hold. And I grabbed the suit to throw it on, and the suit told me no. <laughs> I went to pull it up and zip it up and put it on, and they said, nope. And I said, what in the world has happened? Being a, 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 a man that tries to figure things out, I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to dress down today, and then I'll stop past the store and buy three new suits so I can be ready for the next go-round, because these are saying no. These were not in agreement. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go, and I did that. I did it, and, 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 and I took the suits to get altered, and it dawned on me that I was not being a good steward. It dawned on me that I needed to make some changes. And my change needed to be in my belief system. And so what I did was I, 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 I hired a psychologist. Amen. And the psychologist, the psychologist told me why I had gained so much weight during the pandemic. And, and, and what the psychologist sought to do was, it sought to make me understand why I was eating and when I was eating. It never told me to stop eating. It just answered the question of why, how, how my belief system had changed. Why am I eating? And so starting that journey in January of 2021 up to January of 2022, I lost 70 pounds all because of changing the way I eat and how I looked at eating. Now, here's the problem. Here's the point. When I started to change, and nobody in my house was changing. So my wife was still fixing my plate like it was a mountain. <laughs> she was still bringing it to me like, here you go, babe. And I said, listen, I am no longer eating my sorrows away. Because here's what God taught me. God taught me that when you don't see his goodness and you don't see his mercy and you don't know what he's doing, you and I self-medicate. And because we can't medicate on sin, because we can't fornicate, because we can't be adulterers, we look for the next thing to make the soul feel good. Food. That's why after you get offline today, your flesh going to say, go get something to eat. It's going to say, listen, you heard a spiritual word. Now it's my turn. That's why restaurants build all their places around churches. Because they know 
After you come out of church, you're going to want something to eat. As a matter of fact, one of y'all is online right now. I'm thinking about what's for dinner. And so I begin to change the way I thought. And then they begin to change the way they thought. And so our belief systems begin to shift. And now we don't eat like we used to. Listen, we begin to purge our house of all snacks. Because we are snacks are us in there. Amen. We begin to purge ourselves. Amen. We had to get some of those chips out. Amen. We had to get some, listen, even some things that are good, orange juice, because we drink orange juice in my house like it's Kool-Aid. Amen. We begin to change. And so we had to change. Why? Because we had a vision of getting better and getting healthier. And nobody could stop that vision but us, but the things that we let to come in. Don't you think people didn't walk up to me with cakes and sweet potato pies after church? But I was on a different mission. And Jesus wants to know, how'd you let something get involved in the vision I've given you? You had a vision of becoming something in me. And why did you let the world dictate to you what you can and what you cannot be in me? Who, 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 who told you this? How is it that you have no faith? And Jesus gets up and rebukes the wind. Why? Because Jesus will always respond to fear. He will always respond to fear. And here's the reason why. Because fear has torment and fear has vision just like faith. See, if you visualize yourself dying, you prepare to die. Amen. But if you visualize yourself succeeding and moving forward, you prepare to succeed and move forward. So Jesus will always answer fear. He said, how is it that you got so fearful? How is it that you lost your peace and you became so shaken by everything that's going on around you? How did this happen to you? So I'm going to give you three things to move forward, and then I'm done. In Mark chapter 6, verse 45, it says, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into the ship and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida, while he sent the people away. Here's Jesus again. Let's go. It's time to move again. And when he sent them away, he departed into a mountain and prayed. Now, listen, the difference between this journey and the last journey was Jesus was on the boat. This one, he's not. He ain't on a boat. And so he sends them away without him on the boat. God. And they departed to the mountain and prayed. And when the evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea, and he alone on land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. In the fourth watch of the night, he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed them by. My God, Jesus sees you rowing and toiling and trying to make it and would have walked right on by. Why? Because you should have learned from the first storm that you were in. You should have grown to know that he controls the storm. So he don't have to answer every problem, every circumstance, every situation that you and I get to because he's given us testimonies that has brought us this far. Says he would have passed them by. But when they saw him walking on the sea, verse 49, they supposed there had been a spirit and cried out. For all, for they saw, all saw him and were troubled. And immediately he talked to them and said, be of good cheer. It's I. There he is answering fear again. Don't you start tripping. It's me. Amen. Don't you start acting a fool. It's me. Be of good cheer is an Elizabethan way of saying, take courage. It's a way of saying, man up. All right. It's me. Don't be afraid. And he went unto them into the ship, and the wind ceased, and they were sore amazed in in themselves beyond measure and wondered. For they considered not the miracle of the loaves, 
and their hearts was hardened. And when they passed over to the other side, they came to the land of Gennesaret and drew to the shore. Mark shows us that this has happened again. Mark leaves out some details. Mark leaves out some details. He leaves out some details to this story that Matthew gives us in Matthew 14 through 20, uh, uh, 22 through 33. Matthew says that when the storm was going on, one of the disciples stood up. One of the disciples said, I see beyond this storm. I can move forward in this storm. I can still accomplish great things for God. I can still move forward. I can, I can go to the other side. I can, I can move. And he says that, that Peter stood up and said, if it's you, bid me to come. And Peter, and Peter begins to walk on the water. But he began to sink. So here we go. Four things and I'm out. Number one, the first thing you need to go to the other side, to move, for this church to move and for you to move as an individual is vision. And vision comes from the word of God. Amen. Amen. Number two, you've got to have a belief. You've got to have a belief of what has been spoken to you and take direction in what you have heard spoken. I was sharing with with Pastor Heyman in the back how our church is in the process of building a church with no mortgage. And when I heard that promise from God, from our man of God, I said, my mortgage getting paid off. I didn't sit there and say, how are we going to do that? I said, praise God, because mine is going to get paid off. I ain't going to have one. So let's do it, Lord. And then I start giving in that direction. I started putting my faith with my works and giving in that direction. So number two, you've got to have faith. Number three, you've got to have perseverance. The journey ain't for punks. Amen. You got to have some stick to itness. I don't care whatever has happened in my life for the last 25 years. Nothing has driven me out of my church. I've been there for 25 years. Folks talked about me. I still take my seat. Folks lied on me. I take my seat. Folks don't like me. I take my seat. Usher told me to sit in the overflow room. I go and sit in the overflow room. Why? Because nothing is getting in my way. I'm going to fight through everything that the devil throws my way, everything that people throw my way, and I'm going to see God move. Last thing you need is you need to have an uncompromisable praise. Amen. You've got to have that I will let your praise be in my mouth continuously type praise. You've got to praise God when you don't feel like it. You've got to praise God. You've got to take praise breaks at work. You've got to take praise breaks in your house. You've got to have an uncompromising praise. And then we will all together get us to the other side. It's time to move new directions. Let's do it together. God bless you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our time together. We thank you, Father. We pray that the people have heard the challenge of the Holy Spirit. And they will move in that direction. Now, Father, there may be some under the sound of my voice via live stream or even here, Father, that do not know Jesus and the pardon of their sins.